McShane Bible Study, day 181, and we're in Joshua 2, and this is the story of the spies and Rahab. And uh, Joshua sends spies into the land to see, you know, get, an, get some boots on the ground for what this land they're about to conquer is about. And he specifically tells them to go to Jericho. They go to Jericho, and the king finds out they're there, and the king's after him. So they're in trouble, right? The king knows they're, from their perspective, evil spies. and But God is with them, right? And so they didn't know that Rahab was going to be there, but Rahab takes care of them. So they're on the mission from God, and along the way, Rahab takes care of them. Um, and so that's when we, when we walk our life in God, these are the most common kinds of miracles. It's just to see what has God provided for me today. When we are fully committed to working for him and doing his work, we should see these things all the time. And we start, they can be the most amazing things and hard to explain because you can explain this away. Oh, they just got lucky. Rahab took care of them. No, God's hand was in that. Did she? Yes. Was God's hand in taking care of them, giving them guidance, giving them the, the uh, intelligence that they needed? That, hey, these people are scared of us. We can take this city. Because Jericho was a great city that no one could take, right? And, uh, and so they give them the confidence they needed. So you see God's hand in all of this. McShane, uh, or sorry, I already said that tonight. <laughs> we're, now we're doing the Psalm 123 to 125. And 124 stood out because it was similar to what we just talked about. I'm going to read verses 1, 4, and 8. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So these three are songs of ascents, and this one, and I think the next one are of David. And he clearly understands, like, the Lord's hand... David was having to do all kinds of battles, right? But he knew very clearly that the, the outcome of everything was in the hands of the Lord, that the Lord was providing, the Lord was in the things that he was doing. And that's kind of what we were just talking about with uh, the spies. 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. So when our lives are in the Lord, for the Lord, we're living kingdom lives in the spirit. No one can touch us, right? Things happen. There are events in our lives, good and bad, but neither of those things move us because those are temporal things in the earth. And even if the, the emotions might be terrible, like if we have a loved one die, that's a horrible thing to go through in the flesh. If our life is in the Spirit, then yes, we still go through that, but we're not moved, we're not changed. Or anything else bad, or anything else good. We're not carried away because something wonderful happens. Maybe, you know, we win the lottery, or I, I don't know, what, whatever you can think of that's like just great. People in the world get carried away and end up having terrible things happen to them when they win the lottery. But if you're, if, if you're living this life in the Spirit, that it shouldn't affect you. There's, it's just temporal. So whether terrible things or wonderful things happen in this world, they don't affect who you are in the Lord.
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. And we're into Isaiah 62. And it, <laughs> the whole thing's good. I'm going to try to avoid reading all of it, but we might read most of it. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. So you just asked about Mount Zion. Here, Mount, here we see Zion representing God's bride, right? His church, his people, right? Mm-hmm. Two, the nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you should be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. So he's saying that his bride, the church, will be lifted up as glorious to all the world, so that all the world, and I would add all creation, can see the glory of this church, right? But there's a new name. So there's there's a transformation that must happen, and a new reality, a new being. Three, you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. So this church is... The, the very, the jewels of glory. What, what, how does a king set, him apart, set himself apart as glorious? He has this impressive clothes and jewels and stuff, right? And so, he's saying, what, what, is, what is this glory of God? It's his church, his beautified, glorified church. We are his glory. For you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. So what we have here is the church had gone through a time of being forsaken and desolate. That's not fun. If you think about Revelation 12, we have a sun company come out. We have the, the, uh, the first of all, the enemy is certainly wanting to attack the sun company, and then the Lord is protecting them. And then the enemy turns his attention on this woman. And she goes through a difficult time, forsaken and desolate, right? But then what happens? But you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. So we see God redeeming her. Five, for as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. So now we have the son company coming back and redeeming the bride, right? The true church, not the harlot church in later in Revelation, the true church, right? We see a redemption, a marriage, a unification. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And if we skip down to 10, go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, Lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. So, first of all, go through the gates. We know this is always, this is a spiritual thing of, uh, this is a picture of coming into the life of God, right? Coming into the throne room through the gate and then prepare the way for the people. Build up a highway 
so people can come to this glorious way, this new life. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed, your salvation comes, your reward is here, your recompense, and they shall be called holy people, redeemed of the Lord. So we see this picture. God says, I will have an established, glorified, purified people that represent me. I think, and I skipped those, but he, he talks about even the feasting and drinking in his sanctuary. So there's this picture in the middle of what it's like to live in the Lord, that he takes care of all our needs in every good way, right? Food and drink is something we can relate to, but it, he's talking about spiritual realities, that we have the blessed life of God. And Matthew 10 is next, and I forgot to do the Passion, so I just did ESV here. And um, it starts out, And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So he gave them spiritual authority. This is an important principle. God assigns us position and gives us authority in levels as we grow in him. Uh uh, silly religious Christianity would assume that like, oh, we're saved, we're, we're everything now just because we're saved. No, you start out as a baby, you're born again, you have to grow into maturity. And so we see here, have they grown, were they mature in the Lord at this point? Absolutely not. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit yet, right? That came okay. after Jesus left. But was he capable of giving them authority to do all this? Yes, and they did. And then five, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. So this is kind of what we just talked about. He's teaching them to rely on the spirit. So he's saying, go somewhere. He's saying, don't take any money. What are they supposed to preach? Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that's the message, right? And... But he says, acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. So he's saying, just go and be fully dependent on the Lord. Because if we go and we're fully dependent on our own self, mm -hmm. then we don't, it's, it can be trickier to see the Lord's hand than what we do. But if we're fully dependent on the Lord, then it's much easier to see the Lord's hand because we know, well, this is impossible for me. So he's training them in this. 11. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. 13. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. So when we enter into the peace of the Lord, that's a reality. That's a ruling power. And he's saying you can go and you can bring this peace to others. You see the power in that? Mm -hmm. He's teaching them that your, you, first of all, we must abide in his peace. If we're getting upset over things in the world, things that happen to us, things going on outside of us, whatever, we're not in the peace of the Lord. Mm -hmm. We certainly can't give it to others because we don't even abide there ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we have to abide in that peace but then we become carriers of that peace. And over time, we should be able to transfer that peace to others. You mm -hmm. see that? You see the power in that? And this is peace, you know, 
Oh, wait, is it later in this chapter? Do you talk about it? Um, let me scoot down. Uh, let's go to 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. He's, he's saying, you have to understand, <laughs> I'm not talking the way the world talks. When the world talks about peace, really they just mean let everyone sit still in sin far short of the glory of the Lord and not argue. It's kind of what the world means about peace or not fight or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I didn't come to bring that. I came to bring a sword. I came to cut apart this fallen world and bring the reality of the kingdom. Okay? And so, but he says, but when you're bringing the reality of the kingdom, you can bring the peace of this life to those you encounter. But, but he says, hey, persecution is going to come, right? This middle part, 19 and 20 say, whenever or when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Again, depending on the Lord. And this this has a couple different uh, attributes. One is, sometimes when we're speaking in the Spirit, we say things we had no idea. Like, that happens all the time. It happens even during these recordings. When I say something I've never thought of before. And I know the Lord's speaking through me because I never even had that thought before. Right? And, and so he's saying, he, the Lord can give you specific words... Uh, to touch the hearts of the people you're speaking to, even as they're trying to persecute you. But it also means the spirit, the grace, the power of God is more important than any words that we say. So the power of God can come over the people that we're speaking to and change hearts and minds, regardless of the words coming out of our mouth. You see that? And then 20 says, For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Okay, 34. Do not think that I... I already said that one. 38. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So he's talking about, hey, there's difficulty in this world. I didn't come to just get along with everybody, but I came to cut through the works of the enemy with my sword and bring about my kingdom. And he says, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of me. That's a hard word, right? Mm-hmm. So once again, the, <laughs> the Jesus that people love to throw around is not necessarily the same Jesus that's in the Bible, right? We've made up a false Jesus. He says, if you can't be willing to seek and obey the things that God will bring your way, but you just, you just want the easy path. You're not worthy of my life. You will not enter into my life. And he continues on 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He says, if you're becoming satisfied with the life in this world, you will find that that life was far too short. But if you're unsatisfied with the realities of this world, and you give up your rights on your life in this world for me and my life that I have for you, you will find true eternal life. And then the death of this world has no bearing on you because you are living eternally even here and now. See that? Mm-hmm. All right, that's all I have today. You have anything? 
No. God bless you. Uh, God bless you.